Well, um, we're going to be talking about prayer um, again this, this morning. And before we do that, a couple of things I just wanted to mention. I forgot to mention this before. Um, if you would like to work at the Hartford Fair, they would love to have you. Okay, go to their website and look that up. They're having trouble. Um, not just, I, this isn't volunteer, like they'll even pay you. So, um, but if you'd be willing to do that, they would love that. Another thing I just wanted to, to talk about is last week I, I wasn't here. Um, went down to Iglesia Electric City, a Spanish, a new Spanish church that started um, a little over a year ago on Easter down in Scranton. And it was great to see about 20 different individuals who were from this church that went down there to start that church. There was a uh, probably about double that number that are a part of the church now from six different nations and was a part of the, their first baptism service, four different adults and two children being baptized. And it was just fun to see Pablo and Lauren again and so many of the others, Ronnie and um, now I have to remember all their names, Secundo, Eber uh, and Gladys and Rosa and Gendry and, and the other ones I don't remember. Um, hopefully, I mean, I do, well, never mind. Hopefully they're not watching online, but um, anyway, it was, just, it was just a real treat to see part of our church family again that are, have now gone to start another church family, and that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to go. He wants us to reach others. He wants us to multiply. Um, there's an old farmer saying um, around here, Christians are like manure, all spread out, they do a great deal of good, but all piled up in one place and they begin to stink. So let's uh, just remember those wise words. Those are not in the Bible. Um, but uh, um, also prayer. So how many of you, let me ask a raise of hand. Well, I don't want to embarrass you. We'll just do it this way. How many of you, raise your hand if you love to read, okay? Raise your hand if you love to read. Okay, a lot of people don't love to read. It's okay. Um, I've met some people who haven't read a book since high school, okay? And it's not like they're 19, all right? Very common. So how many of you love to read nonfiction books, okay? My kids' hands will now go down because they don't like nonfiction. All right, um, everybody raise your hand if you love to read nonfiction books. Keep your hand raised. How many of you would like to read this book, Praying the Bible, okay? Would anyone? All right. Okay, Joanna, your hand's highest, the highest. So it's not the Bible. I can throw it. Um, there we go. And uh, if you want uh, a different, a different book, if you want to buy this, it says 13 bucks, which is crazy. Um, they're $10 at the Welcome Center, and you can, you can buy this. It, this is really one of, if not the best book I've ever read on prayer. And it's about praying the Bible. It's very practical. It's very short. I like books like that. Um, and uh, so just encourage you to get that. We're talking about prayer more than a conversation. And so today what we're going to talk about is how to become a powerful prayer. How, how do we pray in a powerful way? And um, we're going to go to what Jesus says about this in, in Matthew chapter 6, his teaching of his disciples on prayer. And he says, and when you pray, he says, you don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. First thing, if you want to be a powerful prayer, this is how not to pray. Don't pray for other people. Because if you're praying for other people to hear you, 
then you're actually praying to other people and you're not praying to God. And Jesus says, and you've gotten your reward. Other people have heard you, mission accomplished. Uh, God has not heard you at all. And so he's not saying don't pray in public because he's, he's right about, he's going to pray in public just in a few seconds, you know. So he's not saying don't pray in front of others. He's just saying when you pray, um, you, you don't need to, to show off to others. When you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep babbling like the pagans. And pagans, that means anyone who's not following Jesus Christ. So an atheist would be a pagan, a Hindu would be a pagan, a Muslim would be a pagan. And, and so he says, don't pray like others. Back then, they're like people that worship Zeus or Apollo. Um, they think they'll be heard because of their many words. If I pray enough times with enough words, maybe that'll get God's attention. He says, that's not the way it works. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So a couple things here. Don't keep babbling like the pagans. They think they'll be heard because of their many words. Um, a lot of times we think, man, if, so if I was going to talk to someone really important, like Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Bruce Bonas, you know, someone, <laughs> maybe, maybe not Bruce, but um, not, you know, really important, I would practice what I was going to say, right? The president, the governor, someone like that. I would practice. I would want to make sure I said it just the right way. But if I'm going to talk to my dad, I, I'm not going to practice. I'm not going to use high-sounding words. I'm just going to talk to my dad. And, and Jesus is saying, that's how you talk to your heavenly father, like you would talk to a loving father on earth. Not, not like some big shot that you need to impress with words or, or boy, boy if, I, if I just keep, if I can talk to him for 10 minutes, then he'll do it. Like if I can keep nagging him. No, 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 you, you don't have to keep on babbling. But now here's the problem. Well, your father knows what you need before you ask. So why should I ask then? And, and there's a bunch of reasons why. But one of them, of course, is because God commands us to ask. And, and then one of the other reasons is because it's one of God's ways of involving us in what he wants to do. So if I was incredible builder, you know, like Kip McCary or Matt or Ben Thomas or Chad Benedict, or we got a number of really good builders in our church. If I was like that and I decided I want to build a house, but I want to build it with my 11-year-old son. Now, there are certain things that he's not going to be able to do. I'm not going to give him a nail gun, okay? <laughs> right? I'm not going to say, hey, could you pick up that eight foot of sheetrock and carry it up to the second floor for me, right? There's a lot of things he couldn't do, but I want to involve him. And so it might actually even take longer to build something with him, looking at some dads who are understand, right? But that's not the point. The point is I want to do something with him. And that's, that's God and us in prayer. We can't heal someone. We can't change someone's heart to repentance. We can't overcome addiction. God does that. But we can ask him. And so it's kind of like, hey, can you, can you put these screws in? Partway, not all the way, because you'll break through and the sheetrock will, you know, pop. And, but just, just start, start these screws out. He, he's just saying, can you just do this? Can you just ask? And that way, you'll be a part 
of, of my awesome, incredible plan for humanity. And, and another reason why I think God asks, wants us to pray, even though he knows what we're going to pray for before we even ask, is because prayer is more than a conversation. And when we pray, I think it often helps us line up my will with God's will. And it's like if, if I was a little kid and I saw all the cookies in the cookie jar and I'll be, I'm going to go ask mom for all the cookies in the cookie jar. And I go to mom and I'm like, mom, could I have, and now I'm thinking, like now that I'm talking to mom, all the co- cookies in the cookie jar doesn't sound like a good ask. Like, could I have one of the cookies in the cookie jar after dinner? Actually, can all four of us, brothers and sisters, have a cookie after dinner? You know, and even in the conversation that I'm having, it's helping me because I'm seeing things from my mom's perspective, right? I'm, I'm aligning, and that's what it's like with prayer, that, that as we ask God for things, many times it's not about filling God in on what's happening in the world, and straightening him out and giving him marching orders about what he needs to do. It's not that at all. It's the opposite. It's, it's talking to God and then me maybe seeing God's perspective and lining up with what God wants in the world. And so um, Jesus continues here and these next couple verses tell us one of the ways we can pray powerful prayers. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what he's doing here is he's saying, if you want to pray in a powerful way, this is how you should start. You should pray God's will. Your kingdom come, your will be done. As Jesus did in the garden, not my will, your will be done. We want to pray God's will. And praying God's will, deep down there is a There is a a question you need to ask yourself and really need to think through, and that is, which do I really think is best for me? Do I really think that God gives me what he wants, what God wants? Is that what is best for me? Or God giving me what I want, is that what's best for me? That's a huge difference. And it really is hard sometimes for us to admit that God giving me what I want is not what's best. I want what God giving me what he wants. And so if you're praying God's will, what does that look like? If you're driving down the road at 90 miles an hour, and then boom, you remember, there is a speed trap right around this corner. God, please don't let the police officer be there. <laughs> are you praying God's will be done, God's kingdom come? Or are you praying my will be done, my kingdom come? Right? I, that's a me prayer. God doesn't, those are weak prayers. God does not honor those prayers. God does not like, oh yeah, let's do Bob's will today. No, he, 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 does, he does things that are in his will. It's kind of like you're traveling with the king, you know, and you're in his large entourage and you're kind of in the front and you get to the gates of the city of the king, his capital city where, where he lives in his palace and you get to the gates and you say, open the gates in the name of the king. And those gates are going to be open. You know, but if you get there and you say, open the gates in the name of Bob, the guy who sleeps under the bridge, they're not going to open those gates. They don't care about what Bob under the bridge thinks. They, they respond to the king. And if you go to those gates and you say, um, throw down all your money to me in the name of the king, 
It'll be like, the king doesn't ask us to do stuff like that. That's not his will. Burn the gate down in the name of the king. We are not burning the gate down. That's not what the king, that's not the will of the king. I know the king. That's not his will. And so powerful prayers are prayers that pray God's will. And so how do you pray God's will? I don't think you can pray God's will without knowing God's will. And you don't know God's will unless you read God's word. And so I, I want to encourage all of you, and online there's going to be a link or something that Pastor Andrew's going to post. The rest of you, you'll have to go to, you could go to, uh, to the Bridgewater Montrose Facebook page. You can go to my personal Facebook page. I'm starting a Bible reading plan in August if you want to read the Bible with me. We're not going to read the entire Bible in August, so it's not that, I'm not that spiritual, all right? But if you want to read uh, along with me in the month of August, you can click on that uh, online. Um, hopefully, you're doing it on your own. We have on-track devotionals for our teenagers or for our adults, um, and just reading the Bible, thinking about it, writing something down, um, because you can't know God's will. You, to be a powerful prayer, you got to know God's will, and to know God's will, you got to Got to read God's word. So uh, another way, how do, we, how do we become powerful in prayer? Um, praying God's will. And then um, actually the questions Josh closed with last week clarify this as well. If every prayer you prayed this week was answered yes, how many people would be saved? How many marriages would be restored? How many... How many addictions would be, would be over? And how many people would be set free? Like, and so praying things that, boy, and, and sometimes it's, it's hard to know. The, the speeding one, that's an easy one. But sometimes even, you know, I, I have cancer. God, cure me of my cancer or take away my pain. Is that a my will or a God's will? Well, it, it depends. God, cure me of my cancer and my pain so I can go fishing on Sundays like I used to. So I can spend all this time alone or doing what I want and going back into the normal way of things and enjoying my life for me. Well, that's not a your will be done. Or is it, God, would you cure me because I want to have more time to serve you. I want to have more spiritual conversations with other people that, that, to, to bring them to you. Um, and, and ultimately, God, God will sort out, maybe you asked something, and Josh did a great job. You know, last Sunday, if you missed last Sunday's service, I, I really encourage you, go to bridgewater.church and listen to that message. It, it is one of the best messages I've heard on prayer. God's four answers to prayer. And a lot of times I listen to sermons, and this is just a, uh, a negative of the job. I listen to sermons, and I think, I could have preached that. Sometimes I think, I could have preached that better. <laughs> I listen to that sermon, and I'm like, man, I couldn't have preached that better. That was so, like every, every one of these answers, ways God's answers prayer, I'd be like, oh, I should have thought of that. That is so obvious, and that is in God's word, and that is so clear, and that is so compelling. And, and then I was laughing half the time, too, and it was just so engaging, and, and just four answers to prayer. Um, if you missed that, go back and, and listen to it, but just a lot, of, a lot of good stuff there. Second thing, and there's just two, two points today about how to, how to pray in a powerful way, and you need to pray God's will, and then you need to obey God's will. 
It's pretty simple, easy to remember. And this is what Jesus says next in his model prayer for us called the Lord's Prayer. He says, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors or, or our transgressions. Uh, this is talking about sin. God, forgive me for, for how I've sinned to others. And he makes his forgiveness of us reliant upon our forgiveness of others. You can't have a right relationship with God if you're wronging other people. This is stated over and over in God's word. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So you want to pray powerfully. You got to be right with God. You got to be godly. And over and over in God's word, he, he repeats this. Psalm 66, 18, if I had not confessed sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Another translation puts it, if I cherish sin in my heart, God won't hear me. Obviously, it's not that he won't literally hear you, but it's kind of like if you were to go up to my child and punch him in the nose and he's got a bloody broken nose and he's crying and then you turn to me and say, hey, can I borrow a hundred bucks? Could you give me a hundred bucks? Be like, what? You just punched my kid? No, no, I'm not going to listen to you. Not after what you've done and what kind of character you have. And God is the same way. You can't, you can't bloody someone's nose of a child he loves and sin and maybe even hurt yourself. Maybe you say, oh, I'm not hurting anybody else. I'm just hurting myself. He doesn't want you to hurt yourself. And he's not going to listen to you if you are cherishing and holding on to sin in your life. John 9.31, Jesus' words He says, we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. And I know we're not perfect, but it's this desire. Have I confessed my sin? Have I turned away from it? Do I want nothing to do with it? And God, am I praying like this? God, keep me from that. Deliver me from the evil one. That's the kind of person whose prayers are powerful. 1 Peter 3, 7, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and an heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So many people get hung up on the weaker partner part of the verse and they miss the whole big picture. Newsflash, the vast majority of husbands, 99%, are stronger than their wives. Don't get hung up on that, the weaker partner. Understand, he's saying, guys... If you disrespect your wife, God won't listen to your prayers because God listens to the prayers of people that are godly and godly husbands respect their wives and treat them as fellow equal heirs of of eternity with the Lord. And so over and over, God makes this clear. James 5.16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Again, confess your sin. I could say this the opposite way. The prayer of a not righteous person is not powerful and it's not effective. We need in our families, in our church, in our community, we need powerful prayers who go all the way to the throne of God and, and who, who move the hand of God. God wants to move his hand. He's just waiting for us to ask in obedience 
and according to his will. Uh, James 5.17 goes on and said, Elijah was a man just like us. He earnestly prayed that it would not rain, and it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Elijah models both of these points for us. He prayed God's will. Don't let it rain, God. We're like, how is that God's will? God said in Deuteronomy eleven sixteen and 17 and numerous other places in the Old Testament, if my people in Israel, if they disobey me, I am going to withhold rain and bring famine because their spiritual state is more important than their physical state. And I will, I will bring hardship physically for them and financially for them in order to get a hold of their hearts. And Elijah read this. And he said, oh, God says if his people disobey, then he'll withhold rain. God, do it. Keep your word. Keep your promise. And God said, I will. Why? Because Elijah was a godly man also. He obeyed God's will and he prayed God's will. We need Elijah's in Montrose. We need Elijah's in Dimmick and Springville and Lawton and New Milford and Nicholson. And, and we, you need them in your family. People who pray with power. That God says, oh, well, since you asked, of course. Because that's my will and you're doing my will and you're, 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 you're following my will and you're wanting my will. Absolutely, prayer is the most powerful, powerful tool and gift that God has given us. And these are the ways that we follow it. Well, tap into it. I want to just close our service out with a story of a couple and uh, how God answered their prayers. And, you know, they're, they're, they went through a crisis earlier this year. And here's the thing about crises. They usually don't announce themselves. You don't know if your friend, if your family member will need you to be godly and to pray for them today for something that's going to happen that, that you didn't know was going to happen. So just as we listen to this, think about how can I be a godly prayer? Listen as they share their story. So January 3rd, 2021 started off as basically a normal Sunday. I was kind of winding down the day, getting the kids ready for bed, and, uh, and that's when I heard my wife from the bathroom say, Brian, my water just broke. She was 38 weeks pregnant, so we knew, you know, it could be at any point in time. And so we took off down the interstate towards Wilkes-Barre to the hospital. At that point in time, that was my biggest concern was whether or not we'd make it to the hospital. So once we got to the hospital, um, Brian and I had been discussing baby names like <laughs> all night long. And at that point, like he's like, I really need to take a shower. So um, I was like, all right, you go take a shower, but don't forget to think about baby names. <laughs> so he's like, I will. As I was coming out, I heard the voices in the room kind of change. And uh, they, ch they changed tones to where I could tell like something's going on that's not quite right. Finally, the doctor came in and she said, the baby's heart rate is dropped, we need to do an emergency C-section. And I said, okay, you know, whatever you need to do. And they took her, they wheeled her into the operating room. And uh, of course, at that point in time, I had to stay in the room. It was a few minutes later and I heard on, you know, the hospital loudspeaker, they started shouting out, code blue, code blue. 
and um, and then it was just like a rush of nurses and doctors going in. And I didn't really find out anything for probably about 45 minutes before Lainey's doctor had come in to give me the report to say that Lainey was okay. The surgery went well and they got the baby out. And um, I remember asking, I said, I heard a baby crying um, shortly after you took her into the operating room. Was that my son? And uh, she said to me, no. Um, your son didn't make any noise. His body was very limp. That's all she could tell me. The nurse came in and said, your wife's coming out. You can meet her in the hallway and go towards the, the recovery room. And uh, this doctor came to give a report. He said, your son um, was born without a heartbeat and he wasn't breathing. And he and the other neonatologists had worked for over 15 minutes to be able to resuscitate him. And um, and at that point, there was this mix of emotion of on one hand thinking like relief that my son was alive at that point. And, and on the other hand, recognizing that this was still a very critical situation. He told me that he's he needs to be life-flighted to Danville Children's Hospital. And then he went into, they have to put him on this special treatment to preserve his brain. It won't reverse brain damage, but it will prevent further brain damage from happening. The first thing I remember hearing was, ma'am, your son is alive. I didn't know, you know, really what that meant. And so um, my first question was, is he going to live? And Brian said, we don't know. So at that point, I felt like this intense feeling of like just wanting to panic. But at the same time, I felt like the Lord just gave me such a, a calmness and a, a strength in that moment. Just his presence was so near. You know, we went to the recovery room and, you know, we waited to find out more. They said that, that they were going to bring Silas to us so that we could, uh, we could see him before he took off in the helicopter. They finally brought him in in this little box uh, with all kinds of tubes and cords and stuff attached to him. And, you know, I was so grateful to see him at that point. Um, we saw him for about 30 seconds before they just said, we need to go now. Um, like, we got we to gotta get him to, that, to his care in Danville. They came and they, uh, they, they got Lainey ready and she went in the ambulance. And then uh, I followed behind in our car. I, I guess I can easily pray kind of more reserved or, or almost giving God a way out. Like, God, if it's your will, would you do this or that? Or God, um, you know what's best and I trust you, but if you, if this is what I want, please do this, you know, but, but in that moment, um, in that drive, my prayers were different. It was maybe even came across as demanding, um, but it was like God wanted me to pray that way, where it was like, God, you need to save my son. You need to heal him. You need to make sure that he stays alive. And um, just praying in a way that was bolder than I think I'd ever prayed before. It was from this point of just complete surrender, um, saying, God, you can do something. I can't, so do something. We had reached out to, to just ask people to pray for us. And then the texts and, and stuff started coming in, just people telling us, hey, we're praying for you. And uh, it really did make a difference, I think, for us. And just knowing that we weren't alone in this, um, like God was there, but also, man, there was there was an army of people behind us that were uh, that were praying for us and for our situation and for our little boy. I 
felt like with so many people praying for us that I felt like there was like two teams. I felt like there was the doctor team and the nurses team that was working on Silas and I felt like there was a prayer team that was praying for Silas and I felt like they were both working together for this little baby. So when I got to Danville, I was um, checked into my room and they told us that we could go see Silas. Um, he was on like full support oxygen, but even at that point, um, it wasn't enough and his oxygen level weren't where they needed to be. And um, the doctor was explaining to me that, you know, his kidneys weren't working, his, his liver wasn't working correctly. There was all these organs that like weren't working because it just, they just couldn't get enough oxygen. And I remember looking up at the monitor and seeing like, yeah, it's not enough. It should be at like 99 or 100 and it was at like 79. People asked, how can we pray? I said, just pray that his oxygen levels would increase. That night, we prayed. We were texting people just to let them know, you know. And uh, the next morning, uh, it was pretty early in the morning that we went and uh, went to go see him. And uh, I was able to go look and see the monitor and see the oxygen level that we had prayed for and to see it up at like 100%. And um, to visually see an answered prayer right before my eyes. It was like every time we showed up at the NICU, something had improved, or, or they had weaned him more off something. You know, it was just like, it was incredible to have a front row view of, of answered prayers, um, knowing that there was man, thousands of people praying for him, thousands of people. So after seven days, they did an MRI, and um, they came back completely normal. They were shocked that there was nothing that they could see. At first, I mean, I don't know that we knew how to process that information, um, but we got up and we just started hugging them and celebrating and, the, you know, like, um, they just kept saying, it's a miracle. And, uh, like, yeah, it's a miracle. <laughs> and uh, for everything that he went through, you know, those, like, 15, 16 minutes without oxygen, and uh, for him to come out, with his brain clear, and this little healthy boy is just like, oh, you can't, we can't put words to it. It's, it, it's God answering prayer after prayer and doing miracle after miracle. In previous trials, I haven't um, experienced God's presence so closely to me because I have resisted him or um, been even angry sometimes feeling that he's maybe apathetic or um, just didn't care about me as much. The Lord has been taking me on a journey of teaching me just how much He loves me and cares for me. And so when this happened, I just completely leaned into Him and believed that He was good, no matter the outcome, that He was going to be good. And um, that was just such a huge encouragement to me, and it helped me um, get through those days. Well, the reality is that, you know, not all stories have a happy ending. I guess the choice is to lean into His presence. Um, to continue to pray, to continue to just trust Him, knowing that the outcome may or may not be the way that we want it to be. But yet at the end of the day, He's faithful and He is good. We know that from the Word of God and, and you look at the examples in Scripture that not all their stories turned out great. And yet God was faithful through it all and God was good through it all. just so powerful. Is that, is that the kind of God you want to spend more time with? You know, and, and so here's, here's the challenge for you. I have five, five ways to, to be a better prayer. 
and uh, pick at least one or two of these this week. Number one, what's the time and place that you're going to pray every day this week? Do you, have, do you have a schedule? Because if it's not, you probably won't do it. Um, out in the lobby, a couple of you have signed up already. Most of you have not. Sign up. Next Sunday is our day of prayer. Midnight Sunday morning to midnight Sunday night. We're going to be praying in the room next to the cafe. And I just want to encourage you, sign up, come in and pray with others together. It's a great way to learn how to pray. I, I tell you, it's a great way to be blessed, to hear people crying out to God um, about things they love. Start a prayer journal. Maybe write what you're praying for and any answers down. Commit to pray for someone far from God. Maybe start praying again for someone you stopped praying for. Like Pastor Josh mentioned last week, uh, you know, praying for his grandma and grandpa. And then year after year after year went by, God didn't answer the prayer and he just gave up. Is there someone or something you've given up praying about? Maybe you need to start doing that again. And then this week, maybe every time you're in the car by yourself, instead of listening to the radio, just, just talk to God. Talk out loud. You know, you can do that now and people think you're not crazy. They'll think you're on a phone call, right? Um, that's, that's what I tell myself when I see people talking to themselves in their car. Um, or maybe it's the shower. So every, every time you take a shower, say, my, my shower time is my time with God, and I'm just going to focus my mind on prayer during that time, or, or whenever it is. Um, here's the bottom line. People who pray God's will and obey God's will are people who change God's world. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that we have this incredible privilege to talk to you. And you don't limit it to office hours, certain times of the day. It can be any time, and, and it doesn't have to be in a church building or some holy place. It can be anywhere. And, and God, just because it's available at any time, help us not to take it for granted. But Lord, help us to be men and women of prayer. God, help us to remember how you've worked. Sometimes we remember... Only the prayers that you didn't answer the way we wanted. Um, but Lord, I just thank you for what you did with, with Brian and Laney and this little baby Silas. Uh, boy, the, the doctors and nurses were saying he should have been in the hospital over a month longer. Maybe he's not going to speak. He, it's going to be severely brain damaged. He might not be able to walk. And, and he's a completely healthy, normal little baby boy. In some ways, some would say, no heartbeat for 15, 16 minutes. Some would say he was dead. But God, you, you caused him to live. And we just thank you and praise you for that. And we thank you for even greater things that you're going to do and that we're going to see you do, that we're going to be a part of you do because of our prayers. Amen.